Welcome back to another episode of Follow the Herd. I'm Matt Kane here alongside Connor Wood. Connor, this is our fifth week. How are you doing? You know, it's great just to keep keep chugging along with these great episodes. Um, I'm super excited to be here. Oh, so much in sports is going on in this past week since we uh, last talked to you guys on Sunday. So I'm ready to break a lot of stuff down. So every, every week now, we've been going through a lot of NFL news. Well, Friday, we heard some... Rather big NFL news. It's the first NFL draft uh, trades that we've seen been going on. The 49ers, we'll start with the 49ers trade. 49ers traded the third over, or the Dolphins, excuse me, traded the third overall pick to the 49ers for the 12th overall pick, a 2021 third round pick, and first round picks in 2022 and 2023. Connor, what were your initial thoughts on when you saw this trade? So I saw the trade straight from NFL Network. I was I was watching Zach Wilson's pro day, and I mean, disclaimer here: Zach Wilson can throw the freaking ball. Um, and and John Lynch was standing at the pro day. Anyone who doesn't know John Lynch is San Francisco's GM, and just nonchalant as ever, just having walking up to people, shaking each other's hands, everything like that. And I mean, then the news broke, and it it, it really was like all broke loose. I mean, everything at the uh, the pro day it changed. There was a huge momentum shift, and and really, I think we're going to see that through these these next several weeks, because I don't think this these are going to be the last NFL draft trades that we're going to see. I mean, we're coming up on the uh, one month away from the NFL draft, and there's a lot of really good talent in this in this uh, this draft, a lot more than I've seen in in recent years and in a lot of different position groups. So initial reaction was like, wow. Different reaction for this next trade we're going to talk about. Yeah, so this 49ers trade, I saw it. Um, I was doing my laundry, actually. But, um, no, I think I think if you're the 49ers, you're getting that third overall pick, obviously I think that they're going to go with the quarterback. And, you know, they still say Jimmy G's their guy. Um, you know, he, he can be their guy moving forward. I'll put a, put a rookie under behind him for a year. Um, what were you going to say? I, I, will, I will tell you something, though. I, I think the fact that the, the 49ers traded the, for the third overall pick, there's no way John Lynch didn't reach out to the Jets for the number two overall pick because, because they, they want to be able to get their guy. Trevor Lawrence is off the board already. They know Trevor Lawrence is going to Jacksonville. The draft starts at the number two overall pick. No way San Francisco didn't reach out about that number two overall pick. Jets pretty much said, no, we want this pick. I, I feel almost as confident as I can and saying that the Jets are going to draft Jack or Zach Wilson with the number two overall pick after this trade from yesterday. Yeah, um, I definitely think the 49ers moved up for that reason, seeing uh, Zach Wilson may, because poss- quite possibly if the Jets don't take him, I know it's very unlikely the Jets don't take him, um, but if Jets don't take him, he's right there. And, and Justin Fields pro days next week, right? It so it's not it's like week. it's not like anything he's done has put the 49ers in this position because mm-hmm. you know a lot of teams wait for their pro day to watch them. So maybe even a Trey Lance too. I know they've been interviewing him. I think his pro day was last week. If his I'm not pro mistaken. day was last week. He threw threw well, threw really well. Yeah, so I, I think the 49ers are out there to get a quarterback. And if I had guessed that quarterback, given that Wilson gets drafted to the Jets, I would guess that quarterback's Trey Lance. Um and yeah and keep Jimmy G starting. But back to a team that also tried to get Zach Wilson, uh, that second overall. Actually, no, they were trying to get that third overall pick, weren't they? The Philadelphia Eagles. 
Now the Dolphins traded with another team, the, the Eagles. The Dolphins got the sixth overall pick from the Eagles and the 156th overall pick, which is a fourth, fifth rounder. Um, and the Eagles got the 12th overall pick that the Dolphins just got from the 49ers. So they flipped that. And then they got the 123rd overall pick, which is a fourth rounder and a 2022 first round pick. The Dolphins held on to that 12th overall pick for all of 10 minutes before before the second trade came through. I mean, it was it was fast. And and you know, they said that there were 31 teams in attendance at Zach Wilson's Pro Day on Friday. I wonder, did this deal go down at the Pro Day between the two GMs, or was there still phone calls and stuff like that? I mean, that's really interesting to think about. But I'm, I'm going to mention a movie here. I don't know if a lot of people have seen it. But it's uh, with Kevin Costner. It's called Draft Day. It's about Cleveland Browns GM who makes insane amount of moves on, on draft day. And, like, the Miami Dolphins made a little mini, mini draft day thing here. I mean, they – they traded back. They got two first-round picks, a third or third-round pick for the next upcoming years, and then and then they get back up to the sixth overall pick. And I mean, they give up uh, one of the first-round picks from next year. But I mean, overall, I, I, the Dolphins, the Dolphins were the winners of these two trades yesterday because of how much capital they have going into the next three seasons of of draft picks. I wouldn't necessarily say the Eagles or 49ers are necessarily losers because the 49ers can possibly get their franchise quarterback. And the Eagles are going to have three, potentially three first-round picks next year. So I don't think that any team lost uh, any of these trades. But, yeah, I would agree with you that the Dolphins, definitely winner, pure winners um, with having all that draft capital. You know, the Eagles, I mean, people were saying that they uh, they lost on – purpose to get a better pick and then they do this so I, I who knows what what happened there um but no the, I'm, the, in, I'm intrigued to see I, I'm gonna guess that Miami is gonna go with a wide receiver at six because they could have gotten a wide receiver at three they know a quarterback is gonna go four to Atlanta or Atlanta trades that trade is very up for debate or that that spot is very up for debate right now in the draft and then five is Cincinnati and if Sewell's on the board they're going Panay Sewell all the receivers are still there at six. Miami's going to get their guy at six. I, I don't know what Philly's going to do at 12. I mean, there they're, they're are still going to be receivers. I, I think Philly's going to bench on a receiver being there. I, one of the three receivers. I think they're going to bench on it. I don't think it's a safe bench because, because the Bengals could supposedly take Chase because that's what Burrow has been wanting really bad. But, however, I think they'll take Sewell. Because I think that's what they need more, and the, you know, Joe's Joe's a one one year guy. Yeah, yes, he's your franchise quarterback, but I wouldn't be listening to him at that point. Um, and then I think six. I think Dolphins for sure going with a wide receiver. I think the Lions are probably going to go with a, with a wide receiver. I think they have the seventh, eighth, seven. They have they have seven. Carolina has eight. Carolina is going to probably try to go quarterback. Matt, I think Mac Jones is going to fall to Carolina. And then um, who's nine? Cowboys. No, Cowboys. Cowboys are ten. are ten. Broncos are nine. Broncos are nine. And they um, they're not going to go wide receiver. No, I I see them going defense. Whether Micah, it be Micah Parsons, Micah Parsons, um, or one of the cornerbacks. It's a really good cornerback class. They bolstered up their cornerbacks a lot in free agency. I think putting a rookie into that cornerback room as well could be really well. Dallas needs defense at ten. They yeah, need it. Dallas. It's the only way they're going to get better. 
Um, and then who holds New York. 11? 11 is the Giants, who are probably going to want a wide receiver, you if think? I had to guess. Or Kyle Pitts. Or Kyle Pitts. Oh, yeah. Well, they just got Kyle Rudolph. I, I don't know. Just just I'm, I'm basing this all off free agency, you know, like what the yeah. teams did. So I, I wouldn't say the Broncos take a cornerback. And I wouldn't say the Giants take a wide receiver since they got a guy like Kenny Galladay and they still have Sterling, Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton on the roster who are fine wide receivers. Um, and, and they got a tight end. It's going to be interesting. But, it's going to be interesting to see who's on the board when, when Philly takes it 12. But, yeah, I forgot that Pitts. I mean, can, can Pitts fall to Philly? I don't, I don't know. I've never, I, I mean, he's a tight end. I, I don't see tight ends. We don't see tight ends in general draft very high in the NFL draft, but Kyle Pitts is a, he's a, he's a crazy athlete, crazy athlete. Yeah. I mean, I, I've heard people say he's more like a wide receiver than a tight end. He's just got that size of a tight end. Yeah. I, I think we could definitely see that transition in the NFL from going from tight end to wide receiver. And then when you especially see guys like Travis Kelsey, <clears throat> who I've seen that he's, a lot like um, TJ Hawkinson, who, you know, he was, he was pretty overhyped. Um, he hasn't really lived up to that hype. He's a good, good tight end, but uh, he was drafted 10, 12, 11, around there to the Lions. I think he was a, a 10, a 10 to the Lions, maybe an eight, if I want to recall. I don't know. There, there's definitely been some high tight ends drafted, but I think Kyle Pitts is definitely one of the best athletes in this draft. Bad all out. I mean, quarterbacks, defensive players everything he's one of the best athletes so i i figured might as well we we've already started to do this a little might as well we're going into april the nfl drafts coming here might as well we give our our, our first i'll go we'll go we'll go top 10 we're not going to run through a whole draft okay. first top 10 picks now first do we even need to <laughs> I, I think it's going to be a whole unanimous decision about Trevor Lawrence at number one. I don't think there has to be any conversation. Yeah, I'm definitely going to say Trevor Lawrence at one. Two, I would say Zach Wilson. Man. I got to say Zach Wilson. They better take Zach Wilson. I, I, I think the only way for them to be better is if they grab Zach Wilson. Yeah. Uh, three for San Francisco. I, I think it has to be Trey Lance. I, I, I think Jimmy G will start, but I think it has to be Trey Lance there at three. He's the, he's the third best quarterback in this draft, in my opinion. Yeah, especially talent-wise. I don't think he's he's ready to be a starter, to be honest, coming into the league. You know, uh, from, from North Dakota State, you know, we've seen Carson once from North Dakota State. That's pretty much it. And, uh, you know, people have really been har harping on him for not having any competition in college. So I think the safe bet is – keep Jimmy G and have him sit behind him unless Jimmy G just plays awful. But um, moving on to the fourth pick, it's the Falcons. It's a tough one. I, I, I really think this could be a pick that is traded uh, either close to draft day or on draft day. I, I think the Falcons and the Panthers could potentially swap picks and obviously more picks involved in there. Um, but I think with the fourth overall pick, no matter what team is taking or has it, it's going to be just Fields. I think it's going to be Justin Fields, too. I think Atlanta, I think they got to be ready for the Matt Ryan days to be over. Unfortunately, I mean, you know, we, we, we've seen Matt Ryan in a Falcons uniform since he's coming to the NFL. But I think those days are nearing an end. I also think they could take Kyle Pitts, supposedly, too. Um, 
I, I think this team could be extramentally better if they grab a good quarterbacks. I mean, even even if Trey Lance is there at four and San Francisco decides to go Justin Fields at three, I mean, oh, yeah. you have Julio Jones. You have Julio Jones. You have uh, Calvin Ridley on the outside. I mean, you have a good wide receiver core there in Atlanta. And and Julio's really been undershining the past couple of years because, because of um, inconsistent quarterback play for Matt Ryan. Now, Matt Ryan's still a very good quarterback. Um, and has been for his entire career, but I, I think if you get a good guy with it with it with a good deep ball in, into Atlanta, I think I, I think they could shine, and I think we'll see really good Julio numbers once again. Yeah, and obviously we're going to see a little change with with Fields' pro day next week. See how he plays a little, but yeah, if if Lance is on the board at four, I think they're definitely going to take Lance. Um, moving to five, we talked about the Bengals a little. I'm just going to say Penny Sewell. It's the right. I think it has to. I think it has to be. Dolphins at six. I say wide receiver. Go. I'd probably yeah, say Chase. it's going to be a wide receiver. I I'm going to say Jalen Waddle. Really? I I think because I knowing Brian Flores, I know Brian Flores is all about character and heart and. And the fact that Jalen Waddle was out there on the field for the national championship game six weeks after having a broken ankle and, and was putting in routes and, and, and doing what he had to do to help his team win. And, and the, the, just the different mentality that's there in Miami now, I, I think that they're going to want a player like Jalen Waddle on their squad. I can get behind that just because they, I think they're also going to want to bring a Bama guy in to have that chemistry with Tua. But I think I'm I'm just gonna keep Chase because I think Chase is the best wide receiver. I would have say Smith. I, I would agree. I would say Smith, but also after seeing I knew I knew he was small, but after seeing he was like what 170. Yeah. I I I don't think they'll grab Devonta Smith because I think they got a guy similar to him in Will Fuller through free agency. So I think they'll want a little a little bigger, more physical guy to line up on the other outside. That's true. Number seven, two wide receivers right off the board. I, I yeah, I think it does, and I, I think this is the other physical receiver. I, I whether it be um, Jamar Chase or Jalen Waddle, if they whoever goes to sixth Miami, I think this is the other physical one. I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Smith, um, because of his speed and how he's kind of like Marvin Jones, and how Marvin Jones was. Great for them back in back in his heyday, uh, but no, I, I could see I could see any of these three just being mixed up. I think they're all great players. Panthers at eight, Ma- Mac Jones. Uh, Mac Jones. Um, Broncos at nine. Micah would, Parsons. I would say either Micah Parsons or Rayshon Slater because you know they might want to get an offensive tackle to help Drew Lock a little, but no, I think I will. I'd probably say Michael Parsons just because of how he's so athletic. Um, I'd say Michael Parsons. Yeah. And then the Cowboys at 10, I think Sertain or Farley. I would say, I would say Patrick Sertain. I think they definitely need a cornerback out like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, JC Horn absolutely showed off in his, in his pro day at, at, University of South Carolina. So I think he could be a cornerback who's on the rise. A lot of mock drafts had him falling to 23 at the Jets. I don't. I think he's off the board before 23 because of how much he shined at this pro day. 
and and you know you hear a lot of analysts just say pro days don't mean anything yeah it's just to fine-tune the skills in in this year when there is no nfl combine i mean all of the eyes are on these pro days so i think these pro days mean mean more this year than i think they ever have before might as well might as well we just go to philly because we've been talking about philly so 11 that's what i was thinking 11 to the giants um you know, I'm going to go with Rashawn Slater. I think they That's need offensive thinking. line help. I think they need offensive line help, and I think Rashawn Slater is a very good offensive lineman. That's what I was thinking, especially with Saquon coming back. You're going to want to bring bring in an uh, offensive lineman to help him. Finally, at the Eagles, I think Smith. I'm going to go with Devon. I'm going to go with Devonta Smith. Oh wait, I pick Smith. I'm going to go with Waddle then. Like I said, I think the three of them can be. Mixed up. I can also see the Eagles maybe taking a cornerback like Farley or J.C. Horn, but I think that the wide receivers, what they really need because they've just been lacking wide receiver. And they tried to draft a wide receiver last year. Rieger can have a good um, good year, sophomore nothing, year. Not, nothing, like, nothing like passing on Justin Jefferson, the pick before, and then Justin Jefferson goes off to be uh, a pro bowler in the conversation for rookie of the year. Uh, I was – Dude, I was I made a I made a mock draft last year, like uh, and I and I had Justin Jefferson to the Eagles. I was so ready for it. I was like, okay. I was watching with my brother. He's an Eagles fan. I was like, okay. Here, here's your wide receiver. And then they say Jalen Rieger. I'm like, who is that? It was just. I, I'm not like a huge NFL draft guy. Like I I know the the first round prospects. I just and I know some guys outside of it, but I was just shocked. You always get those moments in the NFL draft. Hey, they're saying it's going to be in person in Cleveland with some fans. Their players able to be up on the stage. So uh, I'm super excited. We're about a month away from the draft. Uh, I'm very excited. Done a lot of scouting this year, Uh, a lot more than I've normally done. But I'm ready for the NFL draft. Um, So we finished up. We wrapped up NFL. We're going to go to a break quickly. And then when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about March Madness and the Sweet 16th. We'll see you guys after the break here on VICradio.org. Hey, besties. If you love VIC Radio as much as we do, you want to know what's going on in the studio, or you want to stay in the VIC loop, why not follow us on our Twitter at VIC Radio and our Instagram, which is also at VIC Radio. Keep listening to the best of what's next, your favorite indie music station. VIC Radio is the voice of Ithaca College. Here's a campus organization you can get involved in. Want to help bring a little more love to your campus community? I see Random Acts of Kindness Club meets every Monday from 8 to 9 p.m. in the Business School, Room 104. Stop by to socialize, participate in fun events, get creative, and be kind. For more information, please email randomactsofkindnessic at gmail.com. Want to get your organization's message on the air? Email community at vicradio.org to connect with the Campus Community Involvement Director. Welcome back to Follow the Herd here on VIC Radio. We just talked about some NFL. We uh, broke down the two trades yesterday. Now we're going to move into March Madness, something that we've been talking about for these last two weeks. And we got four Sweet 16 games uh, Saturday and four Sweet 16 games Sunday. As you guys may know or may not, due to COVID-19 precautions and protocol, we record uh, every other episode um, on Saturday mornings via Zoom and uh, because we can't be in the studio every week, unfortunately. So 
We're going to talk about the Sweet 16 games yesterday, just a little, give our predictions. Hopefully we don't go 0-4 like we did uh, last time we did this, Connor. But um, no, we got really great four uh, games today on on Saturday. Uh, the first one being Oregon State, Laurel, Chicago. Loyola Chicago, they don't lose in the tournament. I think we figured that out with with Sister Jean being there, especially. They are so underseeded because they're not from a big five conference. They are a four or a five seed team in this tournament. And, and, you know, I mean, them being eight, and I mean, even a couple years ago when they were at the final four being an 11 seed, everyone's calling it, oh, it's the Cinderella story. They're just a darn good basketball team. They're a darn good college basketball team. And I mean, we saw that as they, they just completely outplayed Illinois last weekend. I, I, I don't, I wouldn't call it an upset. I just think Loyola Chicago played all around better basketball than Illinois. And, you know, Oregon State also upset my final four prediction in Oklahoma State. Cage uh, Cunningham, as you said, Matt, couldn't, couldn't, couldn't do it all on his own. So I mean, Oregon it's State not even like to... Oregon State just playing really good too. It's 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 insane to think about the seeding in the right side of the bracket. I mean, we got 12, 8, yeah. 5, 1, 15, 3, and 11, 2. Yeah. That's insane. Just all the upsets. It, it's something that nobody can predict, to be honest. Especially like, you know, it's kind of a different year because COVID, you know, no, not as many fans, you know, it's it's all in Indiana. It's just something really hard to uh predict. And it's it's just been a wild um first two rounds and I think it's going to be even more wild come coming to the final four I think the sweet 16 is going to see a lot more upsets I'm we can get into that in a little bit but I mean I think Loyola Chicago is going to win this first game I just think they're a really really good team and Oregon State's playing really good basketball but I think Loyola Chicago is I I think they're in the right mindset of of another tournament run yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I got Loyola Chicago. I mean, even back to what you were talking about, Loyola Chicago was a 17 in the top 25, was 17th. Now, to think of them as being an eight seed is kind of wild because, you know, we do the math. 17 divided by four is not eight at all. It's Oh, it's four. It's 4.25. <laughs> um, <laughs> But no, I Loyola Chicago, I think, is a better team. Oregon State, they've been they've been balling. Um, but no, I'm gonna go with Loyola Chicago. Next game is number five, Villanova versus number one Baylor. This is a tough game. Because I never no, believed Vill- in Villanova. Villanova has been surprising a lot of people because of uh who who was out? Who's out? Gillespie. What's their Gillespie? Because Gillespie is out. I a lot of people had them losing first round to Winthrop. I think yourself included. I did have them yeah. winning. Um, you know, I think Baylor is just a really good basketball team. If I had to pick a team to come out of come out of this side of the bracket at this point in time, I, I it, it has to be Baylor. Um, but you know, Villanova is going to put up a fight. I, I I think Villanova is a good basketball team, but Baylor's just playing really consistent good basketball, and and I think it's going to continue. Yeah, um, you know, I know last week I came on here and I said, oh, Wisconsin's going to be Baylor's uh, biggest threat. Personally, now looking at it, I think it's going to be Arkansas. But Baylor just played amazing against Wisconsin. They've, they've just been really good on offense and just fantastic on defense. They kind of let up a little in the second half, but I just expect them to be really strong. Jay Wright, 
you know, I think coaching is a lot in March Madness, but I don't think Jay Wright can beat this uh, Baylor team, especially with Scott Drew coaching them. Both great coaches, um, but I, I got Baylor moving on here. You know, I saw, I saw the, there are only two coaches left in the bracket that have won a national championship, both being on this side in, in Syracuse's Jim Beheim and then Jay Wright of Villanova. So, I mean, as we get into the games that are going on on Sunday, one of those coaches is poised to, to be playing for a national championship the first of their career. So it's just so interesting the way the, the bracket has turned out this year as far as we, we could potentially see a new coach uh, holding up another national championship. Yep, we definitely can. Um, third game, Oral Roberts, number 15 seed. It's, this is the second, I think, 15 seed. I know uh, Florida Gulf Coast made their little run as a 15 seed. They upset Georgetown and someone else. But can Oral Roberts beat Arkansas, Connor? You know, these don't count for anything. So I'm going to say they can. And 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 I do have a little bit of reasoning. I Oral Roberts is a better team than Colgate. And and Colgate got off to a hot start against Arkansas. And yes, Arkansas is a very good team. They're a three seed for a reason. But I think Oral Roberts led by Max Acemas, Um, if they do get out to a lead in this game, it's going to be a lot harder for Arkansas to, to take that back and then wound up blowing them out by 18 20 points, which they did for Colgate. I, I think Oral Roberts is playing good basketball. Max Acemas is definitely improving his draft stock tremendously. Um, it, it doesn't count for anything, so I'm going to say Oral Roberts, the 15 seed, makes it to the Elite Eight. I mean, yeah, last week I went with Oral Roberts because it didn't count, and <laughs> they won. <laughs> but, no, I think I think Arkansas. Oral Roberts, it's been a really great tourney, but I, I just think Arkansas is a really great coach uh, coached well by uh, Eric Musselman and I, Arkansas is a really good team. I just I think very highly of them moving forward. Last game. Don't you want Syracuse? Don't you want Syracuse playing Oral Oral Roberts in the Elite Eight? No, they'd be playing Loyola or Oregon. Oh right, 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 right. Yeah, I I I wish, but no, it's not that case. Right. Um, last game, number eleven Syracuse, number two Houston. 955. This game is so tough. It's huge. It's it's so wait. tough because I think the biggest thing is last weekend. The Big Ten is a very strong conference for basketball this year. Rutgers almost beat Houston. Like it came down to 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 free throws for Houston to win that game. And and Syracuse is playing really good basketball. They're playing really good team basketball. I mean, we saw it. We saw it. Buddy Beheim went into half last week with, with three points, and he finished with 27. I mean, he, he can get hot. And, and I mean, when, when they beat a number three team in West Virginia and they beat the number six seed in San Diego State to start the tournament, I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to beat the number two Houston team. I, I definitely think it can happen. I'm going to be rooting for it to happen. Um, I I, I will say Syracuse wins the game because of their shooting. I'm going to say Syracuse, too. It's not a shocker at all. But, honestly, I do think Syracuse can win. Um, they've, they've been playing better basketball than Houston. They're better coached. And, at the end of the day, they're Syracuse. They got Buddy Bayheim. I know Quentin Grimes is pretty fantastic over there in Houston, but Buddy Bayheim has had the hot hand. And, you know, I saw us. I saw a stat, and I don't think it was – it was a stat or a record. Something about Jim Beheim as the double-digit seed. He's the 
I think he has the best percentage as a double seeded. He's got the most wins as a double seeded uh, team in the NCAA March Madness bracket. And listen, I've seen a lot of Cinderella runs. I saw Syracuse in 2017 as the 10 seed. I think their team this year is just a, maybe a little better. I know they had Malachi Richardson. Uh, obviously, seed-wise, they're not better. But they had Malachi Richardson, Trevor Cooney, Michael Benajay. But just how the team has been playing this year, I don't know. Um, you know, they've you really know, picked key, up. Key, key to this game, and, and I said this last week, was it can't be all Buddy. Buddy had three points at halftime, as I mentioned last week, and they still went into into the locker rooms at half with a lead. In and a lot of due part to uh, Dolzhai and Joe Girard shooting from the moon and, and Quincy Garrier all stepping up. And, and I think that has to that has to be what happens again on, on Saturday is, is JG3 being able to hit his shots consistently, which we, we know is a problem. I mean, he, he has never been really super consistent from the outside since he's been on the orange. Um, we need Garrier to be consistent. We need Dolzhai to not stay to not get in foul trouble if Dolzhai cannot get in foul trouble and he's still that that big presence that underneath I, I think the Syracuse Orange I mean, have a good chance I, I really do the, the thing that I like about this too is that Houston lines up very well with Syracuse in the fact that they don't have that big presence uh down inside now I was watching the Rutgers and Houston game and that's what that's what Rutgers had is they had a big presence inside um to combat against Houston. I think now that Syracuse lines up well with Houston, they're not going to worry because a lot of games they go into, they have to worry about rebounding. And that's why they throw in big guy, Jesse Edwards, who's really the only thing he could do is rebounding. Uh, he's a, obviously he's a great athlete playing for Syracuse, but just really big presence. So he's a good rebounder. So I think they don't have to worry about being out rebound. They could just play play their game because they always worry about getting out rebound. They literally don't have a center on the team that's competent to be starting. Um, but no, it's going to be a fantastic game. I, I'm really excited for it. It's, I don't know. I, it, I got, I got buckets, buckets shirt on right now. Um, but no, I'm, I, I mean, I say we move into these, uh, these games on today. And I mean, the first game you'll be able to catch 10 minutes after we get off the air here at, at two o'clock Eastern Standard Time, and uh, number five Creighton and number one Gonzaga. Gonzaga looking to be the first undefeated team to win the national championship since the late nineteen seventies. Matt, is Creighton in their way? No, Gonzaga's winning. I've I've been so confident on Gonzaga. I, I mean, Oklahoma put up a really good fight towards the end of the game. I'm not going to say they didn't. Uh, Austin Reeves is a fantastic player, but. You know, when you have guys like that, you have uh, Suggs, um, Taylor, Kipsert, you're not losing. I, I think they're going to play. I think Mark Few has been a fantastic coach for Gonzaga, and he hasn't seen a national championship. I think that this is his year. I, I would agree. I was just I was just about to mention that. This this is this is Mark Few's time to to get that national championship. All right, we move into to potentially my my national champion in in Michigan versus Florida State. Is Florida State in Michigan's way? You, you said LSU was. Is Florida State? I've been going back and forth with this game. I think Michigan played great against uh, 
LSU. I, I couldn't watch the whole game, unfortunately, um, because I was on ICTV. ICTV's Hold That Thought, if you guys don't watch it. It's a great show on college's television. But anyway, Florida State, I think defensively they're going to play a great game against Michigan. I'm going to take Florida State. I'm not sure if we were – if it was – like counted for anything necessarily. I'm not sure if I'd stay with Florida State, but no, I think Florida State is a great team. I just don't believe that much in Michigan still. I don't know. It's tough because like I believed in Michigan like two weeks ago and they just kept losing. So I, I don't know if I should believe now or not. That, that, that's fine. You keep saying you don't believe in them. They'll keep winning and then I'll win our bracket challenge with Michigan as the national champion and everything will be right. So you keep not believing and they'll keep winning. It's totally know. fine. I don't know. Now seeing at this, I don't think three, three one seeds are going to be in the final four after seeing this. And I'm already two. I already got two, in, to my opinion. So I'm not going to go with that third one. Just how we've seen this tournament play out. I guess that's fair. I, 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 I guess that's fair. But Michigan is going to make it to the final four. So we'll, we'll figure it out. UCLA, Alabama. UCLA is from the first four now to Sweet 16. Can they win a fourth one? No, no, actually, no. I, I like I like Alabama. I like Nate Oates and how he's been coaching this team. Uh, you know, Oates before played for or coached for Buffalo. Buffalo was a great team. I'm gonna stick with Alabama here. Roll Tide. I think it has to be Alabama. They're just a really good team. Um, a lot of people have them into the Final Four, perhaps even winning the national championship in two seed. Um, UCLA has had a really good run. They've been playing really good basketball. Um, I never had them getting it out of the first round against BYU, and they really just steamrolled BYU there in the first round. So I think I think UCLA is a very good team, um, but I, I think I think Alabama will win this final final game of the uh, the Sweet Sixteen. We have Oregon, who's playing just its second game in the tournament. Just a reminder, because uh, VCU had COVID issues, so they were able to get through the first round uncontested. They're playing the number six in USC, who upset Kansas last week. This is a good game, seven versus six, Matt. I've been going back and forth with this game too. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Oregon. I think that I think USC is a great team. They obviously blew out Kansas, but what I like about Oregon is that they were able to stop um, Luca Garza. And you, I'm gonna butcher this name, but Eugene Omorie, Mori, or something like that. He played fantastic, and he was – he's 6'9", and he was lining up against Luca Garza. And he played – I mean, looking over his stats, 17 points, six rebounds, five assists. I think he matched up well against Luca Garza, and I think he's going to lead U.S. – or Oregon uh, over USC. I'm going to go with USC here. I, I think the the win over Kansas – and, yes, it's a week removed, but that still has a lot of a lot of momentum. I think in a normal time – if those if the Sweet 16 was going to be played not on a weekend and earlier this week, I definitely think it would have had a, a, a much bigger impact on momentum-wise. But I, I, I think either way, a win over a number three seed um, is, is huge. And I think, I think I, that's the same for, for Syracuse, who's playing on Saturday, is that win over West Virginia is going to be huge for their confidence going in against Houston, knowing, okay, we beat a three seed. We can go in and we can beat a two seed in Houston. I think the same thing applies for USC and beating a two seed. I think they can, they can, they then have that confidence to go, okay, we can beat this number seven Oregon team. Jeez, looking back, they actually steamrolled Oregon 72 to 58, February 22nd. They've actually been steamrolling teams now looking at this. Eh, 
yeah, so they've kind of been – I don't know. It's going to be a great game nonetheless. Um, it will be. All right, we have um, – a lot of our Final Fours, mine, mine specifically, has been a little bit crushed throughout these, this, these uh, first couple rounds of the, uh, the tournament. And we came on last Sunday and we gave Final Four predictions. Um, I feel like we should go through it again because there's only 16 teams left. And after, after this weekend, we're going to be down to the Elite Eight. Matt, Final Four. I'm going to roll with one of, my, one of my 35 brackets, okay? One of them still has four left. And I'm going to roll with that one. I got Gonzaga. Um, Alabama, Arkansas, and Syracuse in the final four. Now, I, I could be totally wrong because Syracuse might could lose tonight, and you guys are listening to this, but before the Saturday games, that's my final four. I'm going to go Baylor, Syracuse, Michigan, Gonzaga. Three one seeds. Three one seeds. But five, you know, five ones because it's one, 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 one. Because <laughs> Syracuse is eleven. <laughs> Syracuse is eleven, and that'd be that'd be interesting. No, I just I just think the one seeds are just really really good this year. And you know, I mean, we saw Illinois go down to Loyola Chicago. I never had high hopes for Illinois. I, I I said that on on our Goat Chat podcast a couple weeks ago, and a lot of people were also talking really highly about um, Iowa, a two seed. One included is Jeremy Goldstein. He has. He has a couple shows here on VIC. Definitely tune into those. Those are great shows. He he picked Iowa to win, and I I individually texted him, and I was like, Iowa, I I don't trust them. And he was like, Okay, he, I'll let you know when they win. And then they lose. I I see him in in Towers Marketplace here, and he yells to me across the room, "You were right about Iowa, weren't you?" Yeah, I I, I know I was. I didn't I didn't believe in them. Um, I I think this is a one seed bracket at this point, including the eleven in Syracuse, but uh. Yeah, I got to go with the three one season, the final four. All right, who do you got winning? I mean, I'd love to see Jim Beheim with another national it's championship. Not. I don't think it's in the realm of possibility. I, I think Gonzaga, I think Gonzaga completes the the undefeated season, and the coach there finally gets his national championship. Yeah, I got Gonzaga over Baylor. Um, pretty pretty self explanatory. Any final Sweet 16s? I'm excited for all the games. Anyways, I'm I'm extremely excited. I'm really excited just to see how these games go. It's going to be a lot of really good games. I don't think there's a game on this list that has complete blowout capability. Um, so so there's going to be a lot of really good, highly contested basketball over Saturday and Sunday. So excited to sit down in front of my TV and watch a bunch of basketball. And then, of course, Monday, Tuesday, we got the Elite Eight. Next week, I'm pretty sure Saturday starts the uh, Final Four games. Connor, we could break down on Sunday in the studio. We could break down that final game on that's going to be on Monday. Um, but nonetheless, we're going to go to another break. And when we come back, we're going to touch a little bit on the NBA trade deadline. And then we will move into the GOAT question of the week here on VIC Radio. VIC Radio is the voice of Ithaca College. Here's a campus organization you can get involved in. Planned Parenthood Generation Action is a student activist group that works directly with the Planned Parenthood of the Southern Finger Lakes and the Planned Parenthood Action Fund. They are dedicated to keeping Ithaca College conscious of reproductive justice and of legislative attacks on people's bodies regarding health care. 
Their meetings are on Thursdays at 7 p.m. in Friends 207. To join, email icgenerationaction at gmail.com or follow IC Generation Action on Instagram. Want to get your organization's message on the air? Email community at vicradio.org to connect with the Campus Community Involvement Director. Hey besties, if you love VIC Radio as much as we do, you want to know what's going on in the studio, or you want to stay in the VIC loop, why not follow us on our Twitter at VIC Radio and our Instagram, which is also at VIC Radio. Keep listening to the best of what's next, your favorite indie music station. Welcome back to VIC Radio. We just covered the March Madness. Now we're going to move into NBA. There's trade deadline. We're going to talk about this for um, 10 minutes. Um, there were some big trades, first big trade, four-team trade that we saw. It's the Vucevic deal. The Bulls get Nikola Vucevic, Al Aminu, Troy Brown, Daniel Tice, and Javante Green. The Magic get Wendell Carter Jr., Otto Porter Jr., 2021 and 2023 first rounder, and two second rounders via Boston. The Wizards get Daniel Gafford and Chandler Hutchinson, and the Celtics get Mo Wagner, Luke Cornett, and Evan Fournier. Connor, I really hope you were listening because I kind of went on a ramble there. Obviously, you know the trade, but that was just, that's a huge trade. A lot of names. And, you know, I think there are three winning teams in this trade and one losing team. And and that one losing team has to be the Boston Celtics. Trade, trading away Daniel Tice in, in a center and then getting back Mo Wagner, I, I, I think that's a downgrade. Evan Fournier is a very good player, and I think he could do really well for uh, Boston. but but a team that is lacking big man center help to, yeah. to, to, to get rid of Daniel fight or Daniel Tice. I, I, I think, I think that was, that was a, a big mistake on Boston Celtics part. Yeah. I think to, I just, that's not why, like, I, I figured they were going to make a trade, but I didn't think it was going to be for Evan Fournier. I thought they were going to try to make a big trade. Supposedly they tried to get Vucevic and Aaron Gordon, who we're going to talk about a little later, but I don't know. I just thought of them as getting a, a better deal. Fournier is good, but I'm pretty sure his contract expires at the end of this year. So Celtics are going to have to supposedly resign him. I'll, I'll have to look into that. I think it's I'm right. But um, but no, I think did the Wizards, I mean, Daniel Gafford, Chandler Hutchinson, they gave away Mo Wagner, Troy Brown. Yeah, I guess that's fair. But also, I mean, Anyone who watches Goat Chat knows my take on the Washington Wizards. I don't think they're a very good team, even with Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal. Anyway, I don't think they're very good. So I think I think the Wizards have now understood the fact that they're not going to do anything this year, and they're going to try to to get some compensation and get some younger players onto that squad for, for their following years. Yep, Fournier's contract deal expires this um, offseason, so I don't really know if that was worth it, to be honest. But – Celtics do need some bench help. Anyways, we're going to move into another trade, uh, the Nuggets and the Magic trade. The Nuggets get Aaron Gordon from the Magic. The Magic get Gary Harris, RJ Hampton, and a 2025 protected first round pick from the Nuggets. Connor, obviously yeah, you know, Aaron I, Gordon's a great player, but what do you think of this deal? I, I think this is a good trade for both teams. Um, I think Aaron Gordon being on the Nuggets, I think that really could help them. Immensely, I really think it could set them over the edge there in the West. Um, I mean, Gary, Gary Harris has always been a solid player there in Denver. And a 2025 protect first round pick, yes, it's it's four years down the line. But, I mean, that that, that could become a valuable pick, um, especially with it being protected. And R.J. Hampton, I don't have a lot of information on. 
but but I think this can be a good trade for for both teams. Yeah, I think because Aaron Gordon wanted out, didn't he? I, I yeah, I mean, it, it stinks. I, I'm concerned for the Magic's future now because they don't have their big men in Vucevic or Aaron Gordon. I think yeah, I think they're just moving backwards. And R.J. Hampton, he was really like looked at on the ESPN Top 100. Um, for college, and then he ended up going to Australia. I thought he was a great athlete. I still think he could be a potentially a great player. So I think the Magic, you know, I think Aaron, Aaron Gordon wanted out. So if this is what you get, then, you know, it, it's it's what you get. Moving to probably the, the best deal for the Heat, Victor Oladipo trade. The Heat get Victor Oladipo via the Rockets. The Rockets get Avery Bradley, Kelly Olynyk. And a 2022 first round swap rights. This is come on. This is a fantastic deal for the Heat. Pat Riley is the man. I anyone who doesn't know, I am a Miami Heat fan. Pat Riley, absolutely, just he stole Victor Oladipo. He stole him. When I when I saw that the Heat traded for Victor Oladipo, I was like, okay, so they probably gave up a first round pick. They probably. Duncan Robinson was probably in that deal. Potentially I thought it was Tyler Duncan Hero. Robinson. Potentially Tyler Hero was in that deal. And and then to see that it was Avery Bradley, who really doesn't get much playing time. Kelly Olynyk, who really doesn't get much playing time. And then a first-round swap right. I mean, stole him. Victor Oladipo is, is in Miami for, for free. And Pat Riley is the man. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I texted you. I thought it was. I mean, first round. I, rumor had it was first two first rounders and um, Duncan Robinson, who is a fantastic shooter. But no, they definitely stole him. Pat Riley should be arrested for theft. <laughs> um, other notes I've written down for the NBA trade deadline: Kyle Lowry stays in Toronto. I thought he was. I, I definitely think. Sixers. I think that was a big thing. I, I definitely thought that he was going to be be dealt. Um, Norman Powell from Toronto was dealt. He went to. Um, Portland, Rockets. Norman Powell went or to Portland, Portland, Portland. Portland. Um, okay. so I think that's a good deal. Um, but I, I think Kyle Lowry staying in Toronto was definitely surprising for me. Yeah. I think Kyle Lowry, I think his contracts, I think up to, yeah, it's, it's up, uh, it's up in 2021. I'd be interested to see where he goes, but it was his birthday the other day. I was like going home to Philly. I don't know, but I, I, they probably wanted a lot from Philly. And I know, sure. I know Philly loves Tyree, Tyrese Maxey. And personally, I like him too. The game that he played against the Nuggets over in January when uh, Embiid and a couple other guys were out COVID uh, protocol, he played fantastic. But um, well, I'd be interested to see what Kyle Lowry does this offseason. Obviously, Toronto is a big deal to him. But I think his days there, uh, counting down the days that he's got there. Winners and losers of the trade deadline quickly. I, th I think my winner has to I be Miami. I think Miami. it has to be Miami. And I think my loser is Boston. Now, now, would, now, if Boston's able to, to go out and get one of the trade buyouts for LaMarcus Aldridge or um, who's the other big Drummond. Drummond. I think Drummond goes, Drummond. Drummond goes Celtics, Aldridge goes Heat, I think. I, I think if they can get the trade buyout for Drummond, then – then they're not the losers. If they don't get a big man in, in the trade buyout, they're the losers of the trade deadline. Yeah, winner, 100% Miami. Loser, I could see you going with 
uh, the magic, maybe it. Oh, no, they got Wendell Carter, Otto Porter, two first rounders. Um, no, but I think I, I said, I think it's the um, Celtics. I mean, you know, just, just you know what you need and you don't get that. Um, you know, it just just kind of stinks. And also a loser, maybe Andre Drummond, who never, <laughs> who never got traded. Those guys had to get bought out, uh, who never got traded. But we're going to go to one last break, unless you have anything else on the NBA, Connor. I'm, I'm just excited now to see um, where the Heat are going. I mean, they, they just lost their fifth game in a row the other night. Um, so I'm, I'm excited uh, once we see Victor Oladipo out there on the uh, – on the court, what 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 they can be? I, I think they can still be a top four team in the East. I mean, you have the Bucks, Nets, and um, Sixers. Yeah, the Seventy Sixers. I I think you can slide Heat in there at four, and I mean potentially still make it to the finals if if they can get Lamarcus Aldridge and add a couple more pieces. And I I, I think they can do it. Um, it, it's going to be a really really cool. Really, really exciting second half of the NBA season. And you know what? A little disclaimer because we haven't talked about it in a little bit. Baseball is back in four days. April 1st, opening day of baseball. You should be excited for that as well. For sure. Um, baseball is coming back. We're all excited here. Uh, but, no, we're going to catch another break. Uh, and then when we come back, we got the go question of the week given by me here on VIC Radio. VIC Radio is the voice of Ithaca College. Here's a campus organization you can get involved in. Want to help bring a little more love to your campus community? I see Random Acts of Kindness Club meets every Monday from 8 to 9 p.m. in the Business School, Room 104. Stop by to socialize, participate in fun events, get creative, and be kind. For more information, please email randomactsofkindnessic at gmail.com. Want to get your organization's message on the air? Email community at vicradio.org to connect with the Campus Community Involvement Director. VIC Radio is the voice of Ithaca College. Here's a campus organization you can get involved in. Planned Parenthood Generation Action is a student activist group that works directly with the Planned Parenthood of the Southern Finger Lakes and the Planned Parenthood Action Fund. They are dedicated to keeping Ithaca College conscious of reproductive justice and of legislative attacks on people's bodies regarding health care. Their meetings are on Thursdays at 7 p.m. in Friends 207. To join, email icgenerationaction at gmail.com or follow icgenerationaction on Instagram. Want to get your organization's message on the air? Email community at vicradio.org to connect with the Campus Community Involvement Director. Welcome back to Follow the Herd here on VIC. Radio, I'm Matt Kane alongside Connor Wood. Connor, we're going to finish off this episode like we do every episode with the GOAT question of the week. Now, if you guys don't know, me and Connor are also on a uh, podcast called GOAT Chat that is on YouTube alongside two of our friends, Mike Buetti and Tommy Mumaw. And now we just brought a little spinoff here from Fall the Herd with this little GOAT question of the week at the end of every episode. First week, we did greatest athlete of all time. Second week, we did greatest team of all time. Third week, we did greatest sport of all time, where we ranked the sports. And then last week, we did greatest uh, upset and... Greatest March Madness events, I guess we could say, of all time. Yep. So now we're going to keep on the theme 
of today's episode. We started out with NFL trades that have happened. So we're going to go with the greatest NFL trade of all time. Connor, you're going to have to go in a – I had to research this. You know, I don't have that in my head, but uh, you want to start? Sure. I have three, all of which do not involve a player. Now, that might be interesting. You might be thinking draft picks here. You're thinking wrong. John Gruden being traded from the Oakland Raiders as head coach to Tampa Bay as head coach, then wins a Super Bowl against the Oakland Raiders as the Tampa Bay head coach. That can be one. You, you, and then my second one, we have, let me scroll down here on my page just a little bit. It's owners swapping teams. Owners of the teams. <laughs> the Colts and the Rams swapped owners. Robert Ursay bought the Los Angeles Rams in 1972 and then traded the entire franchise to the Baltimore Colts owner, Carol, Carol Rosenblum, for the Colts. Traded an entire franchise. And then, and then my third, my third and final one, which is, you know, it, it hits a little bit close to home. It, it involves the Jets. Bill Belichick was the head coach of the New York Jets for one day. And then, and then he, he, he got up on his podium and he read his resignation from a little napkin that he got at lunch and the Jets demanded first round picks for it. And then he would go back to New England and, and win a lot of Super Bowls and, you know, if only he stayed in, in, in New York, maybe, maybe the Jets would be the ones with the Super Bowls. But but no, uh, three trades there, none of which involve a player. Hopefully you brought a player. You brought a player here to the table. But I do. Have, I, 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 do brought, have I brought a lot of I brought a lot of management, coaching, owners swapping teams. Super interesting trades that I didn't know about. Okay, I'm going to start out with this trade. This isn't my biggest trade. I just think we have to mention this because of how big this deal was. It was probably the biggest trade in NFL history between Dallas and Minnesota. So Dallas sent Herschel Walker, which if you guys don't know who Herschel Walker is, he was a fantastic running back for Georgia. Um, didn't really pan out in the NFL. It's They also sent their 1990 and 1991 third-round picks their 10th rounder from 1990 to Minnesota. In return, the Vikings sent five players and seven picks back, back to Dallas, including the 1990 first, second, and sixth rounder pick, 1991 first and second, 1992 second and third, and Alex Stewart, Jesse Solomon, David Howard, Darren Nelson, and Isaac Holt. That's a huge, that's a huge trade. And then he... The way you look at it is that the Vikings got Herschel Walker. That didn't really pan out for them. But the Cowboys ended up taking, turning one of those draft picks into Emmett Smith, who, as we all know, is one of the best running backs, all-time leading rusher for the Cowboys. So that's the first trade that I wanted to say. That I was think a the lot. Most interesting, <laughs> the most interesting thing out of that trade was the fact that there was a 10th round draft pick involved there. I mean, now in – Today's age of the draft, there's only seven rounds. Ten rounds. Yeah, that's Impressive. that was insane. I had no idea that it was a thing, but I guess it's it's a huge deal when I was looking at all these uh all these websites. Second one, Brett Favre traded to the Packers. Um, obviously, if you guys didn't know, Brett Favre started his career off with Atlanta first season, really ugly season. And then uh Ron Wolf, the GM of the Packers, sent a first rounder for 
Brett Favre. And obviously that panned out really well. Brett Favre being the second best quarterback to ever play for the Packers. So that's my second one. And third one, John Elway to the Bronco uh, to the Broncos. Uh, he played for the Colts. Didn't really pan out for the, for the Colts, but obviously Broncos got a great quarterback in uh, John Elway. Um, looking on this I, I list think, too. I think when we're also talking about draft picks, I, I have to mention one because it's a it's a trade that that we saw and we 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 watched the players who were involved in the trade growing up, and it it is the uh, the San Diego and uh, the Giants swapping their draft picks. If for it was when Philip Rivers and uh, Eli Manning were drafted. Eli Manning wanted to be in New York. Chargers picked him at at number one, and then the. Uh, Philip Rivers was picked with a number four pick, and then they swapped, sending Rivers to San Diego along with that year's third round pick and a first and fifth round pick in 2005 for Peyton or for Eli Manning. Yeah, um, let me ask you. We got like two and a half minutes. If Philip Rivers was on the Giants, would they have won two Super Bowls? No. Yes, I think no. so. Philip Rivers is no. better than Eli Manning. No, he's not. Yeah, he is. Eli's a game manager. Eli, Eli is one of the – you can call him inconsistent because he had his career record is 500. But at the end of the day, without, without Eli Manning, Tom Brady currently has, what, nine Super Bowl rings? Without the, without the Manning brothers in general, Tom Brady has rings on two full hands and ten. So, I mean, Eli Manning was the best thing that the Giants had. I still think I just think Philip Rivers is a better quarterback, and I wouldn't put it against him to win two Super Bowls with the you, Giants. You don't want to you don't want to start this whole conversation about if Eli Manning's a Hall of Famer. We we don't have enough time for that now. Listen, but he's gonna he's gonna be a Hall of Famer just because of the amount of people that they put in. But I just think that they should start cutting down on the people they put in. He's a Hall of Famer because of the accolade that he's had throughout his career. I just what two Super Bowls? Never an All Pro. That's all he has. Two Super Bowls. He has four Pro Bowls. Pro Bowlers. That's that's all it's gonna get you in. Like I just think that they should cut down on putting people in, because when I think of Hall of Fame, I think of like fantastic, like these all-time greats. I mean, I don't know. That's just my old opinion guys see, on it. You see the thing going around as we're under a minute now. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick, if he were to retire this year, in order to be eligible for the Hall of Fame, you must have at least one Pro Bowl, and and fans are going to want to use their fi- their fan vote on Ryan Fitzpatrick so that he can make it into the Hall of Fame. Have you seen that circulating? I think they should put him in the the Pro Bowl anyway. I think the NFL is just no, not not the Hall of Fame. Just throw him in the Pro Bowl. <laughs> it's Pro Bowl. So, so so now we're saying let's get Ryan Fitzpatrick a Pro Bowl so he's eligible for the for the Hall of Fame. But Eli Manning shouldn't be in there? Come on. Well, I don't think – I never said Ryan Fitzpatrick should be in there. But if they throw him into a Pro Bowl, then you have, like, the whole buzz around it. It would just be great for, you know, all, all the media to, to eat up. But for Follow the Herd, we're done with our fifth episode. Uh, like Connor said, baseball's coming back. And we will see you guys next Sunday, 1 to 2, on Follow the Herd, VIC Radio.